0: Welcome to Energy Stew, this is Peter Roth, your host. And I'd like to ask you, aren't there simple cures for just about everything? <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> what have you cured lately that you're sure you did a great job and it's all gone and um, and it was easy to do? Well, not so simple. And, uh, and we all have bodies that that need work that are regularly surprising us with new opportunities, and uh, and to help us get to the bottom of trouble in our systems, all of our systems. I mean, uh, within ourselves, we have many. To help us understand all that, and to know how to work on ourselves or get help better, is a guest who has been on the show before, and um, he's a, he wrote a book called Sane Asylums. So it, it explains the history of homeopathy. And so we're gonna talk about homeopathy again with the author and homeopath, Jerry Cantor. Jerry, welcome back to Energy Stew.
1: Thank you so much, Peter. Pleasure to be here.
0: Well, I'm so glad that we could talk because your your work teaches us something that we need to know about life. And and it's, most people understand life isn't that simple, but they don't know how to uncover the patterns in a way that they can help themselves about it. And that's something that you do for a living is to help people find homeopathic remedies but in a very sophisticated manner that we, I would like to talk with you about, that it's, it's complex and it takes a, a very um, experienced homeopath to understand the complexities of it. So um, you do that every day for people, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and it's time consuming uh, because you, you know, and we've talked about it before, is that most people in life are looking for you know quick cures. You can go to the store and buy a homeopathic remedy for a headache or well, actually that's not that easy because there are many different kinds of headaches. But for you know, any condition that a remedy at the store says it's for, and you go, Oh, I'll take this. And and that's like a home cure that's kind of nice, but uh, not necessarily thorough enough. And so what you're trying to do is is get more thorough with your patients as to what their deeper patterns are that are causing these troubles. So can you explain that a little bit better than I can? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, unfortunately, that's a really wrong, no pun intended, uh, wrong-headed approach to a headache. Um, it's based on the idea that everybody's the same and there is some remedy that uh, will fix fix maybe all kinds of headaches. Homeopathy is a whole lot more interesting than that, much, much more interesting. First of all, the idea is that we, we take seriously the individuality of each of us, our uniqueness. People come to me all the time and say, oh, Jerry, I fall between all the cracks. I, the doctors don't know what to do with me. I say, hooray, that's great. Everybody's a crack. Um I like to I, I we we like this all the things that uh are not popular in the conventional world are very popular for with a homeopath. We like the individuality we like the specific words you use to describe your condition. we like the uh the details of whatever trauma in the past has impacted you, whether you know it or not. You know often the things that that matter to me when I'm taking someone's case is not what they tell me. it's what they're trying not to tell me what, they're, what they what that what they've uh kind of convinced themselves is unimportant um, something that they've been struggling with for a long time. So homeopathy is a kind of an, you know, really investigative process, kind of an excavation of, of the, psych psyche. And, uh, we respect the fact that there's much more going on than in, inside somebody than is coming out of their mouth. So what helps us to do this. And once you get the hang of it, it's not that mysterious. It's not even that complex, um, is the physical symptoms that we have to interpret. They're actually a form of speech. I would call it the somatic language. Um, well, it does take skill to understand what that's all about, and you need a a criterion, you need a, a system within which you can interpret those symptoms. But uh, you know, I have a method. I call it an, an algorithm whereby, uh, within you know, an hour and a half, I get to the bottom of things with somebody. I find out how they tick. I find out uh, how the way they get become uncomfortable in 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 situ- certain situations. Elicits the symptoms that they produce. How we become uncomfortable has a great deal to do with how we how we uh, become sick. Um, maybe I mentioned this last time. My my best question, the best question I ever ask anybody, and I don't even I hold it hold off on it until you know fairly far into the interview if I if I haven't figured it out myself is what is your hot button? What's the situation you least like to be in? And part two of that question, what happens when your button is pushed? So it's a fantastic question. When your hot button is pushed, what do you do? Do you get drunk? Do you write a poem? Do you punch somebody in the nose? Do you withdraw to, do you withdraw to your room? Do you overeat? Do you weep? Do you get irritable? Do you desire to travel? A tremendous range of answers that people give. Someone will say, or, uh, um, okay, I could also ask, what's the worst thing about such a situation? Let's say you've got pain. For a long time, I thought people would just say to me, you idiot, it hurts. What are you asking me for? But no, if, I, if someone has a pain, a certain, certain, certain type of, 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 of uh, painful ailment, and I say, what's the worst thing about that for you? Another part of this question. They're not gonna say, it hurts you, idiot, go away. They say, oh, I can't go visit my mother or I can't work on, uh, on my stamp collection or I have to work, I have to work. Or um, uh, it reminds me of, of, of such and such a situation. There's a tremendous range of information that people give you when they answer these questions. And they narrow my, my, my investigation until I really, you know, I start asking some strange questions. And I, I eventually gets to some very interesting place where I can have an understanding of the clients at the mental, emotional and physical level and where the symptoms make a complete, complete sense. They're part of a, of a tapestry of that person that, uh, you know, is saying over and over again the same thing. And then I can find a remedy that matches that. Well, and what that means, Peter, I, this is the core of homeopathic idea, the idea of using "like to cure like. There's some substance in the universe that we have studied, which can be a plant, a mineral, a, comp- a mineral or a chemical compound, or even another drug that, if it was given to a bunch of healthy people, and we didn't tell them what it was, so they were blinded, but they kept their lives stable, would produce in a range of healthy people the exact profile that I am looking into with my client. So it's a matching game. I have to figure that out.
0: Have you ever tried that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: That's called approving, by the way. What is that? That's called approving. That is homeopathic research called approving. And it's the inverse of the law of similars. We actually inculcate a state in people through their, you know, with very, very uh, narrow use of, you know, this variable, this one substance is the one thing that's impacting them, which will produce this whole range of symptoms consistently in a bunch of people. And so, that state that we inculcate, we, we create in people with a gross amount of the substance that when it's diluted can be given to the person who matches that and you'll get a, a curative response. Right. And, and you know, the government
0: is kind of protesting against homeopathy because it's made of toxic substances and it frightens them. And well, that's,
1: that's, that's intentional. That's absolutely, most, that's completely ridiculous and a cynical thing. And uh, because since 1938 and even before that, the FDA has recognized that the law of similars is a law of nature and that homeopathics are drugs based on exactly that idea. The dilute amount of the substance cures, whereas the gross amount does not, does the opposite. And that's just the law of nature. It's why we get back on the horse that threw us uh, a junior version of that. We, you know, it's just so ab- absolutely advanced placement common sense. Um, and that argument that uh, there's something toxic there is very cynical, as I say, because it's clearly um, the preferred reality of the pharmaceutical companies that don't like competition um, yeah. and don't like want to uh, be competed with by something that has that doesn't even have a patent that will interfere with their profiteering. It's just uh, clearly the money. Um, but you can't get rid of a law of nature. You can't get you can't legislate away, say the acupuncture meridians because you don't like them because they they compare they compete with the drugs and homeopathics don't belong to anybody either they're not patented and uh you know it's 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 purely money money interests um and we all know that
0: right but on the other side of it people will say that the dilution is so diluted that uh nothing exists
1: anymore well let me put it, let me try this with you um let's say i ask you what would be the best piece of news you could ever ever hear in your life what would make the what kind what would what kind of news could you get that would that would absolutely be the most most fantastic thing you ever heard for you personally
0: i guess it depends no but to me it would depend on where where it's coming what the history of that news is coming from
1: i give you freedom in this question to create that that entire context right Right. So
0: I'm exposing myself right now. No,
1: I'm not asking you to do it, but let's just do it. No, abstractly. I don't mind
0: exposing
1: myself. We can do it abstractly. You're saying that because of the condition I'm saying in my question, good news would include the change of the condition that would fit suit you exactly right. And I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, let's say there's some piece of news. I, I think it's, you can generalize from this. I'd be shocked if you couldn't. Um, there's something that everybody would love to hear. My kid got into Harvard or, uh, you know, um, I won the Nobel Prize or my mother came back from the dead or, or uh, so- something, the complete freedom to have a piece of news, some unbelievable piece of fortune that's specific to you. You know, not everybody wants to be rich or famous. Somebody might like, my God, I love to swim. And since I had my accident, I can't swim anymore. If only I could swim even for half an hour, that'd be incredible. I mean something specific to anybody so where i'm going with this is let's assume that everybody everybody has something like that okay and i could put it in a bottle right and you could sip it right that would be the most unbelievable medicine that you could ever have on the face of the earth yeah the thing about that is what's different about this from everything when they complain, when people complain that there's nothing in the substance We don't need something in a substance to feel good. The information matters. And furthermore, good luck if you want to explain that in reductionist terms, good luck, right? Like if I tell you and you agree with me that there's some piece of information that you could hear and you can make it up, it could be anything that would make you unbelievably happy. I would like to be the world champion tango dancer, okay? Somebody's going to come into my life and tell me, Jerry, I'm I'm, I'm the world's greatest tango dancer, dance teacher that ever lived, and I can, I will spend uh, the next week with you doing nothing but this. And when we come out of this week, you will be a a world-class tango dancer. Okay, (laughs) I I made it up. I made it up. Um, But let's say I could put that into a bottle. The point is, that's great medicine. I don't think anybody could possibly uh, disagree with it, but. I challenge anyone to, to break that piece of medicine down into reductionist terms, meaning some kind of material. Impossible. Impossible. It's too global. It's too spiritual. It's too, it's, it, when you are affected by something or a piece of music, do you think there's any kind of material substance, a pill, a, a plant? I mean, anything that will make you feel like you feel when you've heard the most profound, incredible music that fits your mood and your state of, you know, your whole, your whole, that addresses your sense of, of being in the world. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear about that. I mean, you can't. Right. But the closest thing you can come to that is a homeopathic remedy that matches you at some deep, some, you know, very deep level and right. resolves the, the need for that and, and pushes you in the direction of, of your higher self.
0: Well, I, I love that. I, you know, I, I feel like my higher self part is doing well. I think the you know for me, I mean, you you push some buttons that were good for me to think, and a lot has to do now with with aging and with having um, a more um, capable body of you know just being able to get on the floor with my granddaughters and play. I can't I can't get on the floor and get up that easily, you know. So it's it's uh, the, the disabilities with aging. Uh, to me, uh, have been very extremely disappointing. Uh, even though I'm doing well for an 80 year old, I'm 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 seeing myself as quite limited compared to the way I used to be. So that's that's something that I can't even imagine a remedy is going to bring me back to that state of of physical strength and and uh, ability to um you know lift my granddaughters up and you know i have bad shoulders and and um you know get up off the ground with them you know that kind of thing that um is very physical and hard to believe that a remedy would would fulfill those needs
1: yeah a lot of my clients tell me that <laughs> they will say something like that but in fact you will find that there's a component to that which is not objective. There are a lot of other people who are 80 years old who have a very similar body to yours and have a very different mindset. Have come, so that's not in the least their problem. They'll have some other kind of problem. And if they get on the ground with their grandchildren and they they're, they're, have a difficulty with it, it would not be as disappointing to them. They'd still get a great deal of joy out of it. Um, I, I'm speaking in general terms now, but uh, I'm, I'm also speaking from my experience as a clinician. Um, what we were talking about before the interview that, you know, in a family uh, the siblings can have a completely different experiences of their parents. Um, you, we live in our lives, our bodies, and we're so used to ourselves. We, that's the that's the great tragedy comedy of existence that we we we, we, <laughs> we think everybody is the same way. It's not true. And when people process a, a deep remedy, um on one level it's very mundane on another level it's it's extraordinarily you know extraordinary even miraculous the thing that you've you've been that's been bugging you it's in your rear of your mirror and you say why that ever bother me so much i can't tell you that you're not going to die we're all going to die um that's that's right in the cards for all of us we're all going to you know most of us will, will get to 80 and beyond many of us i should say um but the what you're talking about, and I'm going from my clinical experience. If I were to take the case, take your case as I do anybody else's, we would do some excavation, and we'd find that this sense of disappointment um, is not completely objective. It is, has roots in something that goes way, way back.
0: Oh yeah, no, I. I so I, I, there was, there
1: you are. If that that issue can be dealt with and ameliorated, put aside. Well, you won't live forever, but you will not. You know, you would not be bothered by by your current situation. You'd be able to. Be here now, like all right. the, you know the cliches people use.
0: Right. So the I think, yeah. Woody
1: Allen, I think of Woody Allen all the time. You know, who has a pre, pre, pretty much can have a PhD in his own neuro, neuroses, right? Oh my God, we're all going to die. We're going, to, you know, how, how can you live? How do you get up in the morning? You know, something like that. And then if you process a certain remedy, uh, you have the same understanding. The facts don't change, but you, you know, you're just not not bothered by that. It's in your rearview your mirror.
0: This is very profound, and and I understand that, and I see that. You know, question for for me, for instance, is well, why am I seeing that in such a limited way? You know, why do I make a big deal out of what I make a big deal out of what's behind that? And it could come from many childhood things and uh, other situations. You haven't got
1: life. you haven't got the right tool to deal with it, unfortunately. Uh, maybe if you were a yogi master, a guru, you know, a meditation master, you would probably you could get there. But a homeopathic remedy, Peter, is, uh, goes way beyond your, 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 your prefrontal cortex, your way of thinking. That's your limitation. You're trying to fix yourself with the same tool, that's, that's limited. A, a remedy is like a bomb placed deep, deep in the subconscious. And um, once it goes off, uh, the landscape changes. The smoke clears, the dust settles, and the landscape is different. And you have, your free prefrontal cortex has, has nothing to do with it. So you can't just thinking it through. This is the, this is why people flunk psychotherapy all the time because the only way of 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 uh, they, they they will get like a, get, get like a Ph.D. in themselves and understand everything that's happened, but they cannot change the the architecture of their psyche. But a remedy can. Uh, what that that's accurate. Um, there are it's, other like that.
0: What but, it does is it takes takes the edges off. It, you know, it smooths smooths you out. So that you flow more in life.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, but there's, 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 we have bigger fish to fry. <laughs>
0: Good, yeah, I, I, I would say that, there, you, your experiences with, you know, because every, every, every one of your patients are different, uh, yeah. of course, and, and challenging in a way that, um, you know, pushes all your curiosity buttons. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you something. Here's, here's another way of thinking about this, especially back going back to what we talked about earlier about when people buy a remedy buy medicine at, at the, the drugstore, Whole Foods. There are low potency remedies for headaches, for uh, allergies, for um, stomach upset, as if everybody's the same and your stomach upset, your allergies, same, exactly like somebody else's. OK, this is the delusion that that is inculcated in, in, in the marketplace. But I'll, I'll put it in context um, what the relationship is between a, an acute problem and a chronic problem, okay? Um, this is a horrible analogy, but let's say you bring me five people uh, and I, they they come in here and I take out a knife and I slash them on the, on the shoulder, every one of them. Um, for the first few hours, they're exa- they are exactly the same in, in a battlefield situation. They're bleeding, you've got to stop the bleeding, uh, you've got to prevent infection, and you've got to deal with the shock of having something like that happen to you. They're all the same, but wait a couple of days or wait even a few hours and all these incredible differences will come out. There'll be somebody who uh, doesn't stop bleeding and there'll be somebody who goes into a profound PTSD shock. There'll be somebody, maybe a Hell's Angel rough guy type is that you know, puts slap something on it and wouldn't think anything of it. You know, there will be somebody else who uh, weeps uncontrollably. The chronic things come out later on, but in the acute stage, everybody is the same and that's battlefield medicine. But, but the problem is that the, the model of battle, battlefield medicine, which assumes that we're all alike, that has dominated all medicine. We're trying to use that for chronic situations, which is completely ridiculous, um, but it makes a lot of money. It's,
0: <laughs> if, right. you, if
1: you convince people that they're all the same and that we just have to you know, get them back to some level of normalcy, that makes a lot of money for people, but it, it never gets below the surface. It, it never teaches people not to be fearful of, of becoming ill, not to investigate what's what their existential issues are, because that would lead them in completely different directions from than from buying some kind of quick fix medicine.
0: This is so fascinating. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, you can explain it this way, uh, because, uh, we, you know, I guess so many of us are, are kind of bumping around in life in ways that, you know, don't know how to, to see ourselves. <laughs> and and to, uh, to to talk with you, uh, you know, is kind of putting a mirror up, but a mirror that filters appropriately to get to the bottom of things.
1: It's unfortunately unfortunate that this is so abstract, Peter, because it, it sounds like when you hear it in this way, it sounds almost plat, platitudinous. Like uh, this can't possibly be my preferred way of, of teaching. Um, where this comes through to a a point where this is absolutely common sense is when I'm mentoring somebody or somebody watches me practice or have their even having their own case taken. And even then you you kind of go through this. It it takes a while until you realize, Oh my God, this is unbelievable. What has changed in me. It's both mundane and incredible at the same time. Um, I try to, the other way of course, is to write books where I can actually present cases like the, you know, the toxic relationship pure uh, the book before the Saint Asylums book, you know, that, that has that, has that, these are these, these are fables that I've created from my case histories um, to give a sense of things, but just talking abstractly like this, I, it's, it's hard to under It's hard to buy, especially when the message isn't given in mainstream media.
0: Right. So that's what, that's why you need to spend an hour and a half talking with your patients to get to the bottom of things and uh, understand how to interpret it in, in unique ways, because you, 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 there's an endless amount of homeopathic remedies that you can use.
1: Yeah, by the way, it's not an hour and a half every time. The first session is an hour and a half. After that, I have a handle on my clients and I kind of get an I, I have a much more narrower range of remedies that I can consider. And uh, we, we, we have traction and we're making making good headway. Um, but it yeah, I want people to learn that diseases are not something that come out of the blue. Uh. <laughs> We have a lot, lot more to say about about them. One of the great things about homeopathy is, is not that maybe the greatest thing, not just that it, it it cures and it makes us healthier, but the perspective that it, it pre- provides people. So my my clients, people I've seen for a long time, they can come and tell me, Jerry, my remedy's up. This is they tell me exactly the day and hour that it happened. They will tell start to tell me exactly what their new issues issues are. They won't. And they might even start speculating. Oh, I need a snake remedy, or I need a, a mineral. <laughs> the, the The amount of awareness that they've developed is just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they know and expect that I'm going to not just erase their symptoms, but you know help help them along the way of life with a remedy that open that creates possibilities, that opens up their perspective, and deals with the underlying issue. my my experienced patients are completely different. From uh, you know somebody who's got no orientation to this and comes for the first time, very very different. It's I get a kick out of it. A number of my clients actually have become homeopaths because they become so enam- enamored of this uh, of this process.
0: Wow, no, that's that's wonderful. And uh, <laughs> so you gave them a remedy that would um, want them to think that way.
1: <laughs> it takes a while. It's not usually the first time, right? They have to get the hang of that. Becoming a patient is actually. Uh, a homeopathic patient is actually kind of a skill set, but you, it's a welcome one.
0: No, I'm I, I I'm fascinated. I think what you've talked about uh, during this show is is profound and um, I think inspiring because it, it can give us all uh, a, a sense of opportunity in life that we might not have felt before. So uh, we're getting near the end of the show. Uh, so you have you have two books, sane asylums. And um, the Toxic Relationship Cure, and um, and both books are fascinating. I we we already talked about the, the Santa Salam in, uh, in the previous show, where that's a lot about the history of homeopathy, and um, and I really like what's in your Toxic Relationship Cure book. So people can find that on Amazon, and uh, and what's your website?
1: Well, if you go to rightwhalepress.com, that's my personal publishing website. The Right, the right Whale. <laughs> okay. My, Rather than you know, the left whale. Habitat of New England. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the Saint Asylum's books, just to put a fine point on it, is a history of homeopathic mental asylums. It does incorporate the history of homeopathy, but the part of history that's been completely neglected, and I would say censored, is this history of the, these amazing homeopathic mental hospitals from between especially in 1875 to around 1930 when they had had a had their heyday and you won't find this this incredible history in any conventional books about either mental mental health in this country or mental hospital mental health hospitals just doesn't exist uh, It's a preferred reality that they didn't um, because um, the success of these places is embarrassing to conventional psychiatry.
0: And it's amazing how successful they were, and your book really goes through uh so many of those hospitals and talks about uh how they were successful so that's that's great so we're really at the end of the show um how can people find you?
1: uh well, my books have all kinds of contact information but uh yeah right dot com or vitalforcehealthcare.com. dot com that's my practice website um if you go to the Simon & Schuster site for Sane Asylum, the Success of Homeopathy Before Psychiatry Lost Its Mind, you'll get you'll get a lot of information about me. But basically, Jerry Cant- Google Jerry Cantor, uh, Sane Asylums, or uh, rightwhalepress.com and uh, you'll find me.
0: Right. And that's J-E-R-R-Y-K-A-N-T-O-R.
1: K-A-N-T-O-R. That's right.
0: right. So thanks so much for being a guest again on Energy Stew. I'm so happy to talk to you.
1: Peter, you asked uh, really thoughtful and uh, important questions, and it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Sure.
0: And this is Peter Roth, your host of Energy Stew at PRN.live. I can be reached at Peter at heartriver, H E A R T river dot org. I'd love to hear from you, and thanks so much for listening.